Very dangerous, aren't they? Oh, wherever you look, Middle East, Ukraine, Far East, China, North Korea, all the countries seem to be in some kind of turmoil at the moment. And this month we've had the Davos conference taking place to sort it all out, so that's good, isn't it? <laughs> um, one of the things which they came up with that, um, apparently they're tuning up for something called Disease X. And uh, they're working on a vaccine for Disease X, but they can't tell you what Disease X is. So how do they work on the vaccine for a disease which... Something fishy going on there. <laughs> but that's what they're on about. Also, there was a very uh, clever lady. She was talking about something called Echocide. Echocide is crimes against the environment. So you heard of genocide. This is Echocide. And she says some of the people who are doing crimes against the environment are farmers because by growing food, they're putting carbon into the air, which is adding up to the uh, global warming. And so you've got to stop growing food to get to net zero, which is good news for the people of the earth if they want to eat and survive. But there you are. Um, <clears throat> there's not to reason why. Uh, and one other thing which I saw there, there was a, a lady from, I think she was from South America. She stood up and she was doing some kind of weird incantation like voodoo or I don't know what else. And after she finished this, she blew on all the, can all the people sitting on the, on the stage there. Then she laid her hands on them to bless them in the name of whatever God she was praying to. And I just thought, what kind of spirit is that? So they chuck God out in Christianity. They bring in voodoo and all kinds of demonic things. Those are the great and good, the leaders of our world who are leading us where? That's the question. Anyway, praise the Lord. We know who has got the real answer. That's Jesus. And he's coming soon. And we can see all the signs of the second coming. So come along next week and we'll tell you a bit more about it. And meantime, we're going to look at a Bible study on the prophet like unto Moses. Let's just have a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you that we can meet together in the name of Jesus, Yeshua, HaMashiach. Thank you that you are the Messiah who's fulfilled prophecy. Thank you that there are prophecies yet to be fulfilled, which will be fulfilled in your way. And we pray you'll bless us now as we read your word and we learn from the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. So the prophet like unto Moses. Moses was the most significant character in the Old Testament gave the Torah, having brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, led the children of Israel through the wilderness. <clears throat> and if you look through the whole of the scriptures in the Old Testament, the Tanakh, Moses is the central figure. Central figure, of course, in the New Testament is Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. And there's a connection between both. And we're going to look at it tonight as we look at the subject of messianic prophecy in the Torah. And the fact that, as I've said before, you have both specific prophecies about what Jesus, Yeshua, is going to do, and you have typological prophecies, which are about speaking about types in the Old Testament, people who line up with the patterns of behavior which will <coughs> line up with Jesus, which with Yeshua. Last time we actually looked at the subject of Joseph and his brothers, or how that lines up with Jesus and his brethren. So we're going to look at Moses tonight, and we're going to look at the subject of the prophet like unto Moses which is found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18. So reading from verse 15 of Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. 
<clears throat> According to all you desired of the Lord, your, your God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. Horeb, by the way, is Sinai, so that's referring to the giving of the Torah and the response of the Israelites to the uh, signs and the wonders which appeared at Mount Sinai and the fear which they had when they heard God speaking. Verse 17, it goes on to say, And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them to speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded him to speak, who, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know which word the Lord has spoken, which the word the Lord has not spoken, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So who is the prophet like unto Moses? Big question. If you go to our Muslim friends, they'll tell you that the uh, prophet like unto Moses is Muhammad. Because apparently Moses gave the law and Muhammad gave a law. Well, I'm afraid it doesn't work like that. There's no connection at all between Moses and Muhammad. Uh, it says, for one thing, it says that he'll be from among your brethren, and Muhammad was not Jewish. So, there you go. And there are actually no prophecies about Muhammad, and Muhammad didn't make any prophecies. Read through the command of the Quran, there's no prophecies which Muhammad made in the Quran. Zero. Uh, who else could it be? Some Jewish people say it's Joshua, but Joshua was not really the prophet like unto Moses. Some Orthodox Jews have said it's Maimonides. You know, Maimonides was the great uh, Jewish rabbi who reformed much of Judaism in the Middle Ages. His name was Moses, so some say from Moses to Moses there was none like unto Moses. In other words, Maimonides is the man who's the prophet like unto Moses. That doesn't work either. Uh, as we shall see, the one who does fulfill this is Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. And this is a very important messianic prophecy. It does apply to Jesus. And when we come to the New Testament, you find that there was an expectation, which is expressed particularly in John's Gospel, of the coming of the prophet and the coming of the Messiah. And the two of them come together many times. <clears throat> and there's a question during the time of Jesus' ministry. Is he the prophet? Is he the Messiah? And when we get to Acts chapter 3, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's spelled out quite clearly, as we shall see later on, that Jesus is the prophet like unto Moses. So let's have a look at this statement. There are three things which are stated in the passage in Deuteronomy. One, that the prophet will come from your midst, from your brethren. In other words, he's going to come from the same people as Moses came from, who are the Jewish people. So this prophet is going to come, is going to be Jewish. That's very clear. There's also going to serve as a function of a mediation between God and his people, just as Moses did. So Moses, in many ways, was a mediator. He mediated the covenant. So this prophet is going to bring the mediation of the new covenant through Yeshua. And the aim of this is to redeem his people, to bring them out of bondage of Egypt, to bring them into the promised land, in our case, to bring us out of sin, out of bondage, to the evil one, and to bring us into the promised land of a relationship with God. And the third thing it says that God's going to require people to hear the message of his prophet. 
going to put his words into his mouth, and therefore those who hear will be brought into a relationship with God. Those who do not hear will be cut off from God. And it follows a warning not to hear false prophets who speak in the name of the Lord, but are not leading you to the true God. So the role of the prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, if you look through the Bible, you find that there are three offices which God gives in order to mediate his truth to his people. The prophet, the priest, and the king. The role of the prophet is to hear God's word and to declare it to the people. He represents God before the people. So he's telling God's message to the people. He's the intermediary, if you like, between God and the people. He's hearing God's word. He's passing it on to them. Ministry of the priest is to intercede for the people before God, to offer a sacrifice for sin. And in one sense, he represents the people before God. So he's bringing the people before God and offering them as a way to, sorry, that should be up, as a way to mediate between the prophet, between God and the people. And finally, you have the ministry of the king, whose role is to rule the people under God, being himself submitted to God's rule, to lead them in the ways of the Torah. But in Deuteronomy, it's said that, that concerning the king, in Deuteronomy 17, verse 18, it says, It shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. So the king actually had to be in submission to God in order to mediate God's law to the people. Now, the Old Testament records times when this functioned as required by God, but more often when it didn't. It didn't because of sin, because of disobedience to the Torah. Therefore, the Hebrew prophets are always looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, the Messiah who functioned as the true prophet, the priest and the king. And he would represent God to the people and the people to God, and he would redeem the people from their sin. As we read in Isaiah 53, where it says, well, we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. Which leads us to the question, is Jesus, Yeshua, the one who is the prophet, the priest, and the king? Okay, now, by the way, when I say Jesus is the prophet, I don't mean he's just a prophet. Uh, Muslims will tell you he's a prophet, but they don't understand what they're talking about, so you can discard what they're saying. Jesus is the prophet, but he's also much more than the prophet. He's more than the priest. He's more than the king. He's the son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. But he is all of those things. He's the prophet, the priest, and the king. Uh, Arnold Fruchtenbaum, Jewish believer, he says, Jesus, Yeshua, holds three offices, prophet, priest, and king. Although he holds these three offices, he does not function in all three simultaneously, but chronologically. For example, when Jesus was here on the earth during his first coming, his three-year ministry, he functioned in his role as the prophet. He spoke the words of God. People had the choice to receive them or reject them. Those who received them received eternal life through faith in Jesus. Those who rejected him were cut off from God. In the closing week of his life, he went through a transition from the office of prophet to the office of priest. He became the sacrifice for the sin of the world, bearing our sins in his body on the cross making it possible for people to find forgiveness of sin and eternal redemption with God through repentance and faith in him. To this day, he's continuing to function as a priest, our high priest in heaven. 
representing us before the Father. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 says, But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood, therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting to us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. So you actually have a priest who's interceding for you before God in heaven. Is that good news? And that's Jesus, who loves you, who died for you, and who represents you before God in heaven. That's his continuing ministry. That's what he's doing now. Uh, so whether we can truly understand it, Jesus is our great high priest who represents us to God. He's our advocate. He's our advocate who stands before God representing us. And he's the one through whom we can have access to God the Father. Uh, going on, Arnold says, Yeshua has not yet functioned in his third office, the office of king. He will do this after his second coming. During his first coming, he refused the office of king when the people tried to make him an earthly king. At his second coming, he would judge the world in righteousness according to how we have responded to his first coming and then take up his role as king, reigning from Jerusalem and bringing peace and justice to the world. We have scriptures like Zechariah 14 which say that, uh, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth, and that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name one, after he's come back and stood on the Mount of Olives in Zechariah 14. Revelation 15 verse 11 says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God, our Lord and of his Christ, his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. So all of those apply to Jesus. He's the prophet, he's the priest, he's the king. And his ministry on earth, when he was going around preaching, preaching the Sermon on the Mount, giving the, the parables, teaching the people the ways of God, he was functioning as a prophet, bringing God's word to the people. When he died on the cross, he was functioning as a priest, being the, our great high priest who offers himself as a sacrifice for our sins and is therefore able to mediate uh, between a holy God and us who are sinners and to represent us and bring us into his presence through faith in him which is a ministry which he's continuing with, as we've already mentioned from the passage in Hebrews. And he's coming back soon to judge the world in righteousness and to take over the world government of this world, and the government will be upon his shoulder, in which case it will be somewhat better than the present governments. Okay, so let's have a look more at the office of the prophet. Uh, prophet, the Hebrew word for prophet is navi, which is derived from a Hebrew word, navah, to call or to proclaim or to announce. So the work of the prophet is to call, to announce, to proclaim God's word. Um, prophet is one who receives direct revelation from God. He speaks from God to man. Prophet is a spokesperson, someone who speaks the words of the one who sent him. For example, in Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, it says, so the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. So when they were spent to Moses and went to Pharaoh and said, Let my people go, they're actually speaking a prophetic word from God. That was the will of God, and God was going to back it up by his actions in causing the exodus from Egypt. So Aaron was, in this sense, Moses' prophet because Aaron spoke what he heard from Moses. Moses was the prophet from God because he spoke what he heard directly from God. If you want to fulfill the function of a prophet, you must be receiving direct revelation from God. 
so a prophet is not someone like what I'm doing now, which is teaching the scriptures, which is valid role from poor God, but it's not actually prophecy, because prophecy is hearing from God and declaring his message. We have another passage which speaks about this in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 49, 4 to 9. Jeremiah 1, 4 to 9. Now the word of Jer- the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said to me, Say not, I am a child for who, to whomsoever I send you, you shall go. And whatsoever I shall command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver, says the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So from these verses, you can see that a prophet is someone who received direct revelation from God. Uh, when God puts his words into the mouth of the human, uh, that person becomes then a prophet who is speaking God's word. Uh, so many teaching scriptures, doing the work of exhortation, is not actually what we mean by a navi or a prophet in the Old Testament sense. We do have passages in the New Testament, like in Ephesians, which speak about the ministry of prophecy in the New Testament sense which is for exhortation, for building up people, giving a word from the Lord, but it's not actually the same as the inspired word, which would then become the literal word of God in the scriptures uh, of the prophet. The prophet received direct revelation from God and communicates this with the people. Uh, there are also two things which the prophet uh, brings. The first is what we call foretelling. In other words, he's telling something which is a prediction of the future events. It may include near events, near future events, which can be tested to see if he's telling the truth, or it may be distant events fulfilled long after his death. If his near prophets, near prophecies were fulfilled, then his distant prophecies are also going to be fulfilled and should be trusted. If the prophet is speaking in the name of another god, then he should not be trusted. Also, if he prophesies something that doesn't come to pass, if it's something short-term, then he's not a prophet from God. So the prophet functions in the area of foretelling future events. But that's not all. Prophets also has the role of what we call forthtelling. By forthtelling, we mean he's explaining to the people, he's giving a word from God, what God is saying and what God's will is in any matter. So you have foretelling and forthtelling. So the prophet actually explains to people something which is relevant to how they're living at this time and how they should react in response to the word of God. Now, look at Jesus. He functioned in all these matters. He functioned as a prophet, giving near future events. Spoke about his death and resurrection before it happened, and it happened exactly as he said it would happen. Spoke about the fall of the temple in the year 70, 40 years after he died and rose from the dead. It happened exactly as he said it would happen. And he spoke about far distant events in the passages we've looked at sometimes here in Matthew 24, events relating to the last days and the second coming of Jesus. All these things, some of them are happening now, some of them are yet to happen. But if they're words from the Lord, either they have happened, they are happening now, or they will happen, because God doesn't lie. And the function of a true prophet is that he will give an authentic word from God, uh, which if it's prophetic, if it's foretelling the future, will come to pass. So if we believe that Jesus is a true prophet, then the things which he has said Uh, particularly the things which relate to what we're living through now in Matthew 24 and other passages are going to happen. 
or are happening. Another point about the prophet is that often, particularly in the case of Moses and Jesus, uh, his word is authenticated by signs and wonders, by miracles which he does, which confirm that he really has come from God. So we have Jesus functioning as a prophet, and we see that he's functioning in the role of the prophet like unto Moses. Uh, one of the interesting things about this subject is you have a remarkable number of parallels between Jesus and Moses. Uh, Barbara's written a little book here called uh, Alpha and Omega, which lists some of the prophecies, some of the parallels between Moses and Jesus, similarities between Moses and the Lord Jesus. So you've actually got 17 different items there. Came across another article on the internet, which I've got a few copies of here, called Moses' Prophecy of Jesus, uh, of the Messiah. He goes a bit better than Barbara. He's got 30 items which uh, parallel Moses and Jesus. I won't go through all of them, but they're all interesting and relevant. You can have a look at that afterwards. Just to give you one or two, both of them were born under foreign rule and threatened by wicked kings. Exodus chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2. Uh, in Jesus' case, of course, by Herod, wanted to kill him. Uh, Moses' case by Pharaoh, wanting to kill all the baby boys in Egypt. Uh, both did mighty signs and wonders. Deuteronomy 34, Luke 24, tell you that Moses did signs and wonders and Jesus did mighty signs and wonders. Both mediated covenants with the blood of sacrifice with Israel. Exodus 24 tells you how the uh, giving of the Torah was given and was added to by the sacrifice and the blood was sprinkled on the books uh, to bring in the covenant which God made with Moses, with, through Moses with Israel. Uh, Jesus spoke about the new covenant which was sealed by his blood, the new covenant by which we are redeemed and come to God. So both made covenants, important covenants between God and humanity, which were sealed by a sacrifice of blood. Both predicted Israel's history, Deuteronomy 28. Read that and you can read the history of Israel which would follow. Matthew 24 gives a prediction of Israel's history in the last days. Both fed the people with supernatural food. Exodus 16, the giving of the manna. And John 6, the feeding of the 5,000. The seas obeyed both. Uh, Moses caused the waters to part as the Israelites came out of Egypt. Jesus walked on the water and he stilled the storm. Both cleansed leprosy. Both fasted without food for 40 days. Food or drink for 40 days, Exodus 24, Matthew chapter 4. Both had heavenly glory on their faces after Jesus was transfigured. The glory of God came on him and they saw his face transfigured. When Moses came down from the mountain, also his face was transfigured, and the glory of God rested upon him. Both were known as God's servants. Both were known for their humility. Moses instituted the Passover as the means by which the angel of death would pass over those who trusted in the blood of the Lamb. Exodus 12, Jesus offered himself as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, and as we put our lives under the blood of Jesus, so the angel of death passes over and we pass from death to life. Moses brought deliverance, resurrection, in a way, to the Israelites as they passed through the Red Sea in Exodus 14. Jesus became the first fruits of the resurrection as he rose from the dead. The Torah was given through Moses 50 days after the Exodus from Egypt at Pentecost. Exodus chapter 20, the Holy Spirit was given through Jesus 50 days after his resurrection at Pentecost. And it goes on. There's a lot more of them. But it's interesting to see just how many parallels there are between Moses and Jesus. 
Okay, let's have a look at some of the ways in which Jesus is recognized as the prophet in the New Testament. If you've got your Bibles, you're going to have a look at John chapter 6. Very well-known event in the life of the Lord Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000. And in John's account, he gives out some deeper teaching concerning the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, I'll read from verse uh, 5 of chapter 6. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing the great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted, So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, truly, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Truly, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Can you see there's a connection there? Jesus gives supernatural food. So they got a huge crowd of people, 5,000 people. They got five loaves and two fishes. How are they going to feed five loaves and two fishes to a crowd of 5,000 people? Can't be done. But in the hands of Jesus, anything can be done. So the man gives, the little boy brings his feeble offering to Jesus, and Jesus breaks the bread and passes it out, and they feed 5,000 and even have 12 basketfuls of uh, remnants left over. It's a miracle. Only God can do it. And it's a sign that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, you know, one of the things which happened as the Israelites were coming out of Egypt through the wilderness, they uh, found themselves without uh, any Tesco's or anything on, on the way to buy the food. And God sent down the manna from heaven. Again, it was supernatural food. Uh, it was something which Moses could not do, actually, but which God did through Moses and fed the people. In fact, it says in the Psalms that the people ate angels' food. So it was a supernatural food which was given. So when the people see Jesus bringing supernatural food, they recognize that he is the prophet like unto Moses. So they say, "This truly, this is the prophet who's to come into the world. Uh, interestingly, the next thing which happened is that uh, uh, <coughs> they want to make him king. So he doesn't, he departs from this. And then in 16, it says, when the evening came, the disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they rowed about two or three miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Uh, So you have the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 followed by the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. 
and stilling the storm. How can you do that? Well, Jesus made the sea and he made the storm and he's able to still both of them because he's God. Uh, now, if you look at the story of the Exodus, what did Moses do when the Israelites were faced with the Egyptians coming behind them and the uh, sea in front of them? Uh, no way out. What did he do? Stretch forth his rod and the sea departed and the Israelites were able to go through on dry land. When the Egyptians followed them, the sea came and drowned the Egyptians. Showed that Moses had power over the sea. Jesus here has power over the water. So again, it's a sign that he's the prophet like under Moses. He's doing two of the major signs which Moses did, providing supernatural food and showing power over the water. Showing that he is in fact God. And he goes on then to explain something about these things as the people come and ask him what it's all about. Uh, verse 26, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of God, man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal upon him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom you, he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread also, always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you, you, have see, that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. This is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who believes and sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, so Jesus takes the miracle which has taken place, and he explains it in spiritual terms, and he says that they should not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. He says, don't look for the signs, but look for where the signpost is sending you. Okay, a lot of people look for signs and wonders. Uh, now, you've got to look for where is the sign sending you. And Jesus is saying you here, what is, where is this sign sending you? Just think about this. If you're lost in a foreign town and you're walking through a city and you don't know the language and you can't speak to people and you suddenly come across a signpost which is telling you where you want to go, do you spend your time worshipping the signpost and getting excited about the signpost or you do go where the signpost is sending you? Obviously, you're going to go to where the signpost is sending you because that's where you want to go. And Jesus is saying here, don't get too hung up about the actual physical miracle I've just done, but look where it's sending you. Where it's sending you is to believe that I am actually the bread of life. I'm the one who gives you physical life, but I'm also the one who gives you spiritual life. And I've come down from heaven to declare to you the way in which you can have eternal life through faith in me. Uh, so Jesus is going a bit further than Moses. Moses gave them the bread which sustained them as they went through the wilderness. 
Jesus is telling you now that I'm going to give you the bread which is going to give you eternal life, which will sustain you through this life and for all eternity. And he's telling them that I've come from God to do this. And the fact that I'm able to do these miracles is a sign that I am the Son of God, I am the Messiah, I am the Savior whom you should believe in. So he's teaching them deep spiritual truths from this. Uh, it goes on in verse 50 to 51. He says, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Okay, so Jesus is saying here that he's come from heaven specifically for this purpose to bring you into the kingdom of God, to give you eternal life, and that if you feed on him, you will have eternal life and be with God forever. And he's saying that these signs are a sign of this. So he's the prophet like unto Moses, but he's giving you something much greater even than Moses gave you. He goes on to say, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your father ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. Uh, just an aside, this verse is actually one of the key verses which the Roman Catholics use to justify what they call transubstantiation. So they say that you have to eat the bread, eat the flesh of Jesus, and you have to drink his blood to have eternal life. Uh, since Jesus is not physically with us, how can you do that? Well, apparently the priest has this supernatural power to transform the bread into the living body of Jesus and the wine into the living blood of Jesus, which, as some of the... Uh, Protestants said was hocus pocus because in Latin it becomes hoc est corpus meum and is a trick which doesn't work. Actually, this passage is not about breaking bread at all. It's not about communion. It's about Jesus saying that you have to feed on me, on my nature, my, per my person, and if you feed on me, you, if you take by my Holy Spirit into your life, feed on, my word of, on the word of God, feed on the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have eternal life within you. That's what he's saying. It's not something physical, because obviously you can't eat Jesus' fresh and you can't drink Jesus' blood. He's speaking this metaphorically. Just like he says, I am the door. He's not actually a literal door. He's using it as a metaphor to show that you can come into the presence of God through faith in him. People found his saying quite hard, and they uh, complained about it. Uh, Jesus said, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. Uh, but there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who would not believe and who would betray him. He said, therefore I've come, said to you that no one can come to me unless it had been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Uh, so the second big statement here in this passage uh, of a response to Jesus, first one is, this is the prophet. The second is Simon Peter saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that we, come to, we will not go away from you because you have the words of eternal life. You come to that position in your life. 
No matter how difficult things get, or Jesus says some hard things which you don't understand, or life gets difficult, are you going to turn away, or are you going to carry on? Hopefully you carry on. Now, as the Israelites went through the wilderness, it was a hard way, and they had all kinds of difficulties, and Moses led them through. Sometimes they rebelled and caused all kinds of troubles for themselves. But basically, the message is that God tells you to keep going, to carry on. And those people who have truly been brought to faith in Jesus, he's not going to cast out. He's never, not going to leave them. And everyone who believes will have everlasting life and be raised up at the last day. So is that good news to you? I hope so. And Jesus is saying here, he's giving you something much more than Moses gave to you. And we have to say that although what Moses did, gave was good, what we have in Jesus is better. Hebrews talks about a better covenant through faith in Jesus. And Jesus is the one who is indeed the prophet who gives us, has the words of eternal life. Now it's interesting if you go through the New Testament, you'll find there are a whole number of other references to Jesus as the prophet. Uh, very beginning, John the Baptist is asked who he is by the Jewish religious authorities. He denies he's the Messiah. They ask, are you the prophet? He denies this also. And although this event is not about Jesus, it shows that there was an expectation at that time for the coming of the prophet and some understanding that there was a connection between the prophet and the Messiah. Maybe they worked out from the book of Daniel that this was the time for the Messiah to come. But there were people who were looking at, earnestly at this time for the coming of the Messiah. Go to John 7. Uh, Jesus cries out at the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, verse 37 says, If anyone... Thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those who believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, for Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this, saying, said, truly, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. And you see here again, Jesus is promising something about the new life in the Holy Spirit, and they say, this has to be the prophet or he's the Messiah, even. So it's an expectation, and there's an idea behind this that Jesus is the prophet like unto Moses. <coughs> have a number of other occasions in the New Testament after Jesus raises the son of the woman, of widow of Nain. Luke 7, it says, Then fear came upon the people, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen amongst us. Jesus, speaking to the woman at the well, says, she says, Sir, I perceive... You are a prophet. And at the triumphal entry, Matthew 21, the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then later on in the passage, same chapter, it says in verse 46, So they, when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. So there's an idea already that Jesus is a prophet or the prophet. And this is going to come together after the crucifixion and the resurrection to show that Jesus is indeed the prophet, like unto Moses. Uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24 say the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So you have this concept of the prophet. Now, as I said, the prophet is the one who speaks God's word to the people. Jesus did that supremely. And he is, again, as I said, much more than a prophet, but he is the prophet who came to speak to the people. When we come to the uh, 
reference in Acts chapter 3, which is we're going to close with. After the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, Peter is speaking to the crowds in Jerusalem uh, in the temple, and he's explaining what has happened with the healing of the man at the beautiful gates, the lame man, and he's relating this to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And as he has a crowd there, mainly of religious Jews, some of whom who would have been responsible for uh, the death of Jesus, some of whom would have been perhaps neutral or some even friendly, but it had a crowd of people, and he's explaining to them what happened with the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection. And he's saying that God allowed this to happen in order to fulfill prophecy, and that through faith in Jesus, whoever you are, whether you are for or against Jesus, before you can now be for Jesus and you can have your sins forgiven and become a child of God through faith in Jesus. So let's take up the story in verse 18 of chapter 3 of Acts. It says, Those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Messiah would suffer, yeah, that the Messiah would suffer, he is thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for your prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning every one of you away from your iniquities. So here's a scripture where Jesus is directly spoken of as the prophet like unto Moses. And the word to the people is that in the light of this, you should repent and believe in Jesus. And the word to us is Jesus is the prophet like unto Moses. He's the prophet who's bringing us a better covenant, a new covenant through which we can have eternal life and with true faith in Jesus. We can be with God forever as we believe in Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. So he says, repent, be converted, that your sins be blotted out, and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So the times of refreshing actually have nothing to do with the Toronto blessing, as they said in the past, but it's to do with the restoration of all things, which will come with the second coming of Jesus. It says that Jesus is going to be held in the heavens until the restoration of all things. Jesus is presently held in the heavens until the restoration of all things, which will be at his second coming. Uh, meantime, we have a task to do, to believe in Jesus and to share his word. And he tells us that he is the prophet like unto Moses, him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. So he says here, if you hear what Moses is saying, uh, you'll also hear what Jesus is saying. So if you're followers of, true followers of Moses, you're going to be followers of Jesus. One of the things Jesus also said to the uh, Pharisees as they were arguing with him, he says, you, if you hear what Moses says, he testified of me, so you should believe in me yourselves. And he says the confirmation of this is the greatest sign and wonder which God has done, which is the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. 
On the cross, Jesus took the punishment for the sin of the world. Uh, he fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 53 as the suffering servant. He died literally. He was put in the grave, and he rose literally from the dead and appeared to the disciples over a period of 40 days before ascending into heaven. So Jesus fulfilled these prophecies, and he therefore is the prophet like under Moses. And if you turn to him, he's going to bless you and turn you away from your iniquities. He provides atonement and redemption to all those who come to him. And as the people obeyed Moses, they were blessed and brought out of the place of bondage. They were given the Torah, they were fed with manna, and they were given water and food and brought to the promised land. If they disobeyed Moses, they suffered judgments and hardship. The golden calf, 3,000 slain, the rebellion of Korah, the rejection of Moses as the leader, and the earth swallows up Korah and his people with him. Number 16, the disobedience at Kadesh Benea, where the Israelites refuse to go into the promised land because of the giants and they don't trust in God and therefore spend 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, so as with Moses, there is a choice to be made. If you do what Moses tells you under the old covenant and you put yourself under his authority and you obey him and do what he says and obey the Torah which he gave, God's going to bless you. God's going to bring you into, ultimately into the promised land. If you disobey, you're going to be cut off from the people. So it is with Jesus. If you obey him, you're going to be blessed, be brought out of bondage to sin, given the Holy Spirit, given new life, forgiveness, fed with the word of God and life of the Holy Spirit, brought into the promised land of a relationship with the living God and ultimately to eternal life with God in heaven. So in the end, it's a choice which God is giving to all of us. We're now living in the days of the new covenant. Our approach to God is through the Messiah, Yeshua, who is indeed the prophet like unto Moses. He's our great high priest who's paid the price for the sin of the world through his atoning blood. He's coming again to judge the world in righteousness and set up his eternal kingdom, ruling as king of the Jews from Jerusalem and king of the world and king of kings over the whole world. What should we do about it? Repent and believe the gospel. Amen. Let's just have a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you that you are indeed the prophet like unto Moses. Thank you that you have redeemed us through your precious blood. Thank you that you fulfilled these scriptures. Pray, Lord, that each one of us may walk in your ways, obey you, and not be like the disobedient ones who perished in the wilderness, but be those who will follow you and enter into the promised land of an eternal relationship with the living God. We thank you that all this has been made possible through Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, becoming man and laying down your life as a sacrifice for the sin of the world. We thank you, Lord, that you were risen from the dead, that you ever live, even now that you're making intercession for us in heaven and that you're preparing a place for us in your eternal kingdom. We give you thanks for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>